This is McLean Mannix, and you're listening to Pack Center. What up, Wolfpack Nation? It is the host of Pack Center, Garrett Hirschberg, here with my co-hosts Kevin and Austin. We hope you guys are enjoying your Thanksgiving week. With the come with the come of Thanksgiving means it is officially rivalry week, where we take on the school down south that we shall not mention by name on any podcast ever recorded with under the Pack Center Network. Uh, but with that with with that game coming up ahead, we have to take a look be look at what happened this past weekend when we traveled to the Smoky Bay area, and I think the offense was probably left in Reno. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely agree. I was kind of shocked how we didn't put up as much points as we all thought they would. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, Nevada did beat San Jose State as projected. Tw- 21-12, to 12, the spread was 15 at the time of kickoff. Nevada struggled, didn't even put up any points in the first quarter. The offense was left here. The special teams was left here. The only real part that actually showed up was the defense. Ty Ganji did not have his best game. Safe to, it's safe to say that. Yep. Turn the ball over three times. And if the offense struggles, it's mostly because of his play. And, well, as the quarterback, like, it's kind of on you. But the running game looked good. Uh, Toa Tawa looked like a beast, like he has done all season. 29 carries, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Ty Ganji also added the a rushing touchdown, which was the first touchdown of the game. But is this concerning looking forward at what's remaining? Yeah, a little bit it is. Obviously, we talked in previous shows that San Jose State's probably the most trash team in the conference, and this should have been a game we easily put up a bunch of points. And this should have been a field day for Ganji, putting up a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards, just had his stats. And unfortunately, we didn't. Um, thankfully, we do have one more game coming up this week. Um, if this was the last game going into the bowl, I'd be kind of very, very scared. But hopefully we can get back on track with UNLV. Um, and hopefully, you know, take advantage of their team as well. So we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, it's nice to be able to lean on our defense when our offense isn't producing like it normally is. Um, Ty had an off game, yeah, but, um, you know, we can look at uh, Toa Tawa producing from the running game to be able to lean on. And I'm not overly worried about it, but I, I, I agree, Kevin, like you said, um, if we were going into the bowl game, I'd be kind of scared. I'd be worried. But um, at least we get to play Nevada Southern this week and um, hopefully hone in our craft before going into that bowl game. Yeah, and it's a good thing we played a team that doesn't really have a capable offense. Right. Uh, and so that, that does help when uh, the defense the defense stepped up in the way that it did. Um, you allowed you, you saw, like, uh, the defensive players making big-time plays. Lucas Weber had two sacks. Uh and on the day, the the defense had six tackles for loss. So it was good to see that the defense was making plays when the offense necessarily wasn't. There were a couple of times where Nevada could have blown this game out early. In the first, I think on the opening drive, uh, Jamon, was it? No, was it Jamon Dawson or Daniel Brown almost had a pick six? Uh, one of the corners dropped it, and that, that would have been a huge momentum booster, especially seeing that Nevada Demon score in, in that first quarter. But looking, looking, does this like so? This doesn't con- this doesn't concern you. Speaking of how this, we're now seven and four or on the year. Does this not continue? Considering our eighth win would definitely put us in a better pull in a better bowl position, being eight and four than seven and five. Um. Yeah, I agree. It's just I am more thankful of who we're playing this week. 
Um, I mean, like we said, if this was our last game, yes, I would be concerned. But now that we're going down to Nevada Southern, um, you know, I'm, I'm not too worried. I think everyone has an off game, and I think that next game we'll be able to um, pick it up. Even though UNLV did lose to San Jose State, I think they are a better football team. So it's better playing them to get us more prepared for uh, the bowl game. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think one of the things um, we've talked about for a while uh, and any athletics for us, we tend to play down towards the team that we're playing. We never like fully play to our capacity. So I'm kind of glad that we got this game out of the way this week instead of next week, vice versa, these two games, because UNLV, like you said, it is trash. They are trash, but, you know, they're at least a little bit better than San Jose State. Um, and this is definitely a wake-up call. I'm glad we had this type of game this week instead of next week against UNLV. Um, so I am I am a little bit afraid of, you know, how we're going into it. Um, but you also have to look at it, too. Um, coming into this game, we had played a bunch of home games in a row. Um, we hadn't been on the road for a couple of weeks. So we had to kind of get our footing a little bit there, just playing on the road. And, I mean, I don't think it played too much into it, but obviously the air conditions were not the best over there in the Bay. Um, everyone listening, you have, I'm sure everyone's up to date on how the fires are going over there. So that definitely did affect it a little bit as well. Um, every little thing is going to affect how the team plays. Um, but, yeah, I'm just thankful that we did get the win out, and hopefully we can learn from this and take care of UNLV handily this week. I think it was shocking to see how Nevada played um, against good teams this year. Look, they were competitive against Boise State. They were competitive for a half against Vanderbilt, a competitive against a half against Fresno State. And then they beat, they whooped on the teams they were supposed to whoop on. They they took care of Portland State easily. They took care of Colorado State easily. So this came as a little bit of a shocker to me, seeing that they did struggle against the weakest team in the conference. Now we we talked about Ganji struggling. He did throw for 314 yards, but he but it didn't look like he he threw for that many yards when you were watching the game. Uh, as we mentioned, Toa Tau had a big game. But the defense really stepped up, only allowing San Jose State to get 200 yards of offense. That's, inc- that's insane for a 60-minute game. Only 200 yards of offense. They ran the ball six, 26 times for 30 yards, which is an average of 1.2 yards. And the longest rush they ever got on the day was 7 yards. So I think that just shows the testament of how good this defense actually is. No, and I'm I'm completely grateful, and I think that's the one thing that's not keeping me too scared about going into the bowl game after this week's game is because we're going to have a defense that shows up like they just did against, you know, San Jose State. Obviously, we're not going to be playing San Jose State in the bowl, but the defense has showed up every single game this season. Um, I don't think we've had a single game where they haven't showed up. They're the one consistent thing on our team, and as long as they can keep it close for us, as long as Ganji has an all-right day, and just can outscore them barely, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, I'm definitely confident that we can definitely compete and possibly win whoever we play in the bowl and whatever bowl we get. So I'm just that's one of the one of the things that's keeping me a little bit hopeful about the coming weeks and especially the bowl is our defense and how they've, you know, just shown up this season and just been the MVP, honestly. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah, even though we are playing San Jose's uh offense, I mean they held in fewer than 100 yards over the first three quarters. I mean, that is – that's really impressive. And, I mean, you hit it right on the right on the head, Kevin. It's Our defense has been so consistent week in, week out that um, 
no matter how our offense does, I'm I'm confident that our defense is going to step up. So as we saw against San Jose State, our offense didn't step up, but our defense was able to step up huge. And um, no matter who we play in the bowl, and including this week against Nevada Southern, I think our de- our defense is going to continue to step up like they have been. Yeah, and looking ahead at this week's game, it's rivalry week, so there's only one school that can mean – and we traveled down uh, to the to the southern part of the state. Um, and Nevada comes into this game 12.5-point favorites, which doesn't surprise me uh, looking at this. Nevada is clearly the better team. The over-under is 64. And Nevada, uh, Nevada Southern comes into this game, losers of four out of their last five. They have a record of 3-8. and eight. They're one of the worst teams in the conference. They have one conference win. They are one in six in conference. Like last year, this was this game had a much different scenario. Last year, Nevada was in a similar situation to Nevada Southern. Uh, Nevada Southern came into the matchup in Reno, looking to make a bowl game. Obviously, it did not happen. But this year, Nevada, the University of Nevada, is in a bowl game. They're in a good situation, uh, according to Stadium's Brett McMurphy. He projects Nevada to be. In the Idaho Potato Bowl, uh, playing Eastern Michigan. So I think Nevada, I hope just Nevada doesn't look past this opponent like what it almost did for San Jose State. Uh, because although San Jose State's 1 in 10 on the year, I, I wasn't nervous, but I was almost getting to that stage where it's like, okay, what's really happening? What's going wrong? I think one thing that's going to keep us grounded and focus on this game is the fact that we're playing UNLV and it is rivalry week. I mean, this is a game as a coach, Jay Norvell, and the coach for UNLV, that's the one game, honestly, besides making a bowl that matters to them and it matters to the universities is that they beat each other. So I think this is a game that, you know, Jay has been looking forward to all season and all year round. Um, I don't think we're going to – I know you you were talking about being afraid of, you know, are we going to look past this game. I don't think we will just for the fact that we are playing UNLV and it is our rivalry game and, you know, we have to keep the cannon – Keep the cannon. Uh, that's always a big thing as well. So I don't think we're going to look past it. I'm not worried about that. I mean, it could happen, but if I had to guess, I don't think it will. Yeah, I think I think the game that we, if we were to have looked over anyone, I think it was the game we just played, San Jose State. Um, but for the same reason, I agree totally. Um, I mean, it's a huge rivalry. I mean, that's bragging rights between uh, cities and state rivalry. They want to win. They want to whoop up on the other teams. So I think we're going to come out fired up and ready to play. But, um, yeah, I am I am kind of hesitant as to where hopefully they don't start looking already to the bowl game and just totally miss out on this week. So UNLV started their season 2-1, and one, and then they lost uh, was seven of their last eight. Yeah. Their only win was against San Diego State, which I don't even know how they won. Squeak that up. Uh, but they lost to Arkansas State, New Mexico, uh, Utah State, Air Force, they got killed by San Jose State. They got killed by Fresno State. And they recently just came out, came back from the island and lost to Hawaii. Uh, this is an offense that doesn't really scare me because their strong suit is also Nevada's defense strong suit. They, they run the ball a lot more than they do pass, and their defense isn't very good. And especially seeing what we've seen out of this Nevada defense that limited Fresno State to 30 rushing yards. I'm not worried at all about uh, this ground attack that UNLV has. 
And I do think I, I I think Nevada will come will come out with a handily victory if the victory does happen. Ty Ganji would improve to three and zero against the state rival. Uh, the last quarterback for Nevada to go undefeated against the school down south was Colin Kaepernick, and Nevada UNLV has not beaten Nevada at home since two thousand and four. Just let that sink in. They they do not play well in Sam Boyd. I don't honestly. I'm gonna tell you guys nobody plays good in Sam Boyd. That stadium is older than older than dirt. That stadium is such trash. Honestly, I'm and this is obviously. You know, a little bit biased for me. I'm very glad that they're getting that new stadium, you know, down in Vegas because that stadium is trash. So at least when we go down there and we do, you know, whoop their butts, we can actually do it in somewhere that's actually pretty nice. Um, but yeah, like you were talking about, Garrett, uh, UNLV has been trash at football. Um, take it from someone that grew up in Southern Nevada, um, families, all UNLV fans, um, they never really expected them to do anything in football. Um, so yeah, this is one game that we should easily take care of, uh, continue the bragging rights, Ganji, um, I'm gonna, I'm basically gonna guarantee he's gonna be 3-0 and against the rivalry against them, um, easily taking care of them, I'd at least say by two scores, 14 points at least. Yeah, I think, uh, the matchup plays, uh, in Nevada's favor because of what you said, Garrett, the running game, I mean, that's their quote-unquote strong suit, and our defense will be able to shut that down, I think, I mean, against Hawaii, they threw for their quarterback threw for 60 yards and one touchdown. I mean, that's not something we really have to worry about, which is good because our weakness is our our uh, pass defense. So I think we're gonna come into we're gonna go into uh, UNLV and have a great game and handle them with ease. Yeah, you speaking of the pass game, their leading receiver on the year, uh, Tyreek Collins has 422 reception yards. McLean Mannix almost has double that, and he's the leading receiver for the Wolfpack. Uh, one thing to do note is Lexington Thomas, their running back, has almost 200 carries for 1,026 yards and 12 touchdowns. So he, he they do rely on him, and he is a good running back. But I don't know I don't know what quarterback Nevada is, what they're going to use. Last year, last year they relied on Armani Rodgers. Armani Rodgers got hurt. They have then now they're relying on Max Gilliam, and Armani Rodgers just came back. So it's it's all about just seeing like what type of quarterback they roll out there. Although it shouldn't really matter. Seeing that that this Nevada defense is such such good on the ground, uh, the you, the Nevada Southern defense does allow 453 yards a game, so we should see Ganji air the air the ball out a lot. They allow 38 points a game, and I think Nevada should just ease, should clear that mark pretty much easily because if Nevada's offense is on point, there are very few teams in this conference that can stop them. I agree. I think. I think Ty's going to have a good game. I think Romeo Dub's going to have a good game. I think Toa Tao's going to have a game. I think our offense is going to click. They had a little hiccup last week at San Jose State. Um, but I think, I mean, they're fired up this week. It's rivalry week. I think uh, Ty, Ty and company is going to have a good week, and um, our defense is going to step up. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I think we're going to beat them more than we beat San Jose State. I think all around going to have a good week this week. Yeah, it's going to be a great week. Um, this is going to be perfect going into the bowl game. You know, just like you were talking about, Austin, just roll right into it. Um, it'll be a conference booster for uh, Ty because he's just going to pick apart this defense. Obviously, their defense gives up a massive amount of yards, so he's just going to have a field day down in Vegas. So, uh, yeah, going to easily take care of him like we should. So UNLV going to keep the cannon blue. That's just how we roll. Yeah, and keeping the cannon blue is not only huge for this team, but it's also – 
huge in uh, recruiting, as recruits can now see that Nevada clearly uh, handles their rivals. And also, um, one of the times the school down south had the cannon, they broke it, and shame on them for breaking it. But looking ahead, uh, this game will be on Saturday, 6.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. So if you're not down in Vegas watching, make sure to tune in and watch this, uh, the Silver State beatdown. Uh, but looking ahead, do you think Nevada's momentum will continue? They Coming into this game, they're on four-game win streak. How do you think, how do you think uh, the momentum will take us into bowl game? and then into next year? I think it'll take us great into the bowl game. Um, coming off a rivalry win when we beat UNLV is going to be great. Spirits are going to be high. Obviously, we're going to have a little bit break before the bowl game. Um, but I think we're all in all, this is going to be great rolling into the bowl game. When it comes to next season, I'm not too sure because we are going to have a bunch of guys graduate. That's the one thing that kind of scares me about next year is we're having a lot of guys graduate, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and that's our biggest strong suit right now. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if we're going to get recruits and fill those voids um, and what uh, Norvell's going to do with that defense and who is going to take over quarterback, you know, next year with Ganji um, gone. So it's just, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, when it comes to the bowl, we're going to roll in very well. Um, the next season, I'm not too sure because so many things can happen, honestly, in the offseason. I agree. Um, with momentum-wise going into the bowl game, I think it's going to be great. I would rather play UNLV, like we said, than than uh, San Jose State, just because of, you know, an easy win or playing flat going into a bowl game could uh, definitely hurt us. But I think going into UNLV, um, beating them, and then going into the bowl game will be definitely a good uh, good win for us, and the momentum is going to be strong. Um, Kevin said it best. Going into next year, there are a lot of seniors leaving, especially on the defensive end. Um, offensively, I think we're looking great. I mean, we have Toa Tawa, who's a freshman, Romeo Dubs, who's a freshman. A lot of skill players who are freshmen that can produce. Um, McLean Mannix, I'm pretty sure, is back for another season. So we have a lot of uh, good parts on offense, but definitely how we're going to recruit our defense to replace those seniors leaving is going to be the big question, I think, going into the year. I just want to say my favorite thing about rivalry, rivalry Week is seeing all the hype videos with the cannon, and it is such a great uh, sight to see. Uh, sticking with the football theme, we were lucky enough to be joined by Aaron Norvell, head coach, uh, brother of uh, head coach Jay Norvell. He is an actor, and he's been in movies like Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, Point Pleasant, and in TV shows like General Hospital. Uh, please make sure we go ahead and give it a listen, and we will, get, and we will join you after the break. Joined by former Wisconsin football player and current actor Aaron Norvell. Aaron is head coach Jay Norvell's brother. Aaron, how's it going today? What is shaking, my man? What is it, Tuesday? Happy yeah. Tuesday. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs> the, days, the days in college football world run together. You're running the games. You're running around the world. You're thinking about the next game. Uh, life's busy, and uh, yeah. 
so, so we know you were up in uh, Sa- in San Jose for this game. Do you travel to all the away games? The Smoke Bowl. I just hashtag that, the Smoke Bowl. <laughs> uh, I go to all the games that I can. To, you know, sometimes schedule doesn't permit, but this year I'm going to go to 10 of 12 games and the bowl game. And then last year I did ten of twelve too, so that's uh, that's pretty that's a pretty full schedule being a Wolfpack little cheerleader on the sidelines. So which games did you miss? This well, year I, or last year? Uh, let's start with last year. Last year I missed the. Um, God, it was so long. I'm trying to think of what games I missed last year. Let me think about this. Oh, Washington State because it's a hard game to get to. Okay. Um, and also, man, who else did they? What else? What other game did I miss last year? I have to think about that for a second, but this year I missed I missed Hawaii and uh, Air Force for sure. And man, you got me stumped on what game I missed yeah. last year. Maybe someone out there could call in and say I didn't see him on the sidelines at that game. So if if so, Wolfpack fans can see you walking around tailgates with I would what I assume are golf uh, golf pants with the ridiculous blue checkered. How did you stumble that across? Is- how did you stumble across those pants? Well, put it this way, I'm not the greatest golfer in the world, but I like to golf a lot when I can, and I just got addicted to buying Loudmouth is the brand. John Daly is doesn't own the company, but he's their biggest, you know, guy that they that promotes it. He wears on the tour. They're just any kind of crazy pattern of golf pants you can think of. Um, they have it, and not to mention that I'm a huge college football freak. Probably been the most been the most number one college football fan on the planet. I'm sorry, boys from the South. It's true. And I'm a, I'm a Yankee from the North. Um, I'm, I'm addicted to wearing different colleges. But that I've, been, I've been to, you know, I've been to almost been tons of stadiums all over the country. And so certain teams that I like, I'll buy their golf pants. I got a pair of Tennessee. I got a pair of Wisconsin where I'm from. I got a pair of Nevada. I got Michigan State where my father was the athletic director. So, you know, it just goes on and on. And I just like them. And so I was surprised when, I, when my brother got hired last year and I started going to the games. The first thing I did was buy a Nevada Wolfpack um, loudmouth pair of golf pants. They're checkered. And I was surprised that I was like, you know, people were like, oh, my God, where would you get those? I mean, I walked around, and I saw one other lady that had a pair of shorts in the last two years. But I'm surprised that nobody else gets them. I mean, all you got to do is go online. And the team doctors on the sidelines loved them. And they're like, we got to get those. And, you know, maybe we could send this, this, this clip to, to loudmouth and make him start sponsoring me and the Nevada, you know, football team, that the, uh, the doctors. We'll get, wear them on the we'll get right on that. So you mentioned you're the number one college football fan. What's your favorite stadium to go to? My favorite stadium to go to, hands down, that's, that's, that's a handful. I mean, there's different aspects of it. You talk about, like, crowd. You talk about pretty. But, I mean, I would have to say this, and I've referenced it many times before, the number one college football venue on the planet, in the universe, hands down, is the Rose Bowl. It's, yep. I mean, it's, it's, it's hands down. I mean, when you're tailgating out there and you see the mountains, and you're on a golf course, there's there's just nothing like it. And then you're walking to the game on a golf course and see all the different fans. And then when you get inside that stadium, when you get inside that stadium, there's nothing like it. Now, over the years, they don't. it's not always packed, and they don't have you know crazy fans like if you go to like a Tennessee or, or Wisconsin or you name it, other schools. But it's still it's still the prettiest place and the, and the most spectacular venue to, to go to a college football game. So while playing at Wisconsin, what was it like when, uh, as a player, to look up and you see the entire crowd jumping up and down, or the the atmosphere of like Wisconsin football from their students to their to their supporters? 
Well, I'll tell you one thing. I can only dream about that, my friend, because the jump around started, geez, three or four years after I graduated. So we didn't do that when I was playing. I was on the upswing of Wisconsin. I played for a guy named Don Morton, and then Alvarez came in my sophomore year, and I beat out a starter, and I started for him for two years, and my brother was on that staff. So basically I was on the, the turnaround, like, kind of like Nevada. My brother coming here, you know, he's turning the program around. So basically – I played for Alvarez for, for four years, and the year after I graduated, we won the Rose Bowl and were fifth in the nation. I missed that by one year. I didn't play in the Rose Bowl. And my brother <laughs> had two other Rose Bowl rings, I might add, from playing at University of Iowa, where uh, Alvarez was, was the uh, D coordinator. So he had two Rose Bowl rings, and then he coaches my school. Year after I graduated, he gets his third Rose Bowl ring. But the, the jump around didn't happen until about three or four years after, but I have been there to games. And it's bananas. And it's funny. And I'll be to certain stadiums where they play it. <laughs> and it's not the same? It, it, it's cute. It's what it is. It's cute because nothing can compare to when they play it at Madison because the students get into it and it's absolutely bananas. But it's talking about but, but that, that, that is a, that's a game day tradition. But I'll tell you some other game day traditions that are absolutely, they'll make your hair stand up on your arm. I was making a movie about college football, in, uh, college football movie in 05. We didn't finish it. That's another story, but I never forget it. It was uh, it was um, Miami Tech. I mean Virginia Tech versus Miami. Game day was there. I was standing next to Herb Street, and at the beginning of um, the uh, Virginia Tech games, they play "Enter the Sandman" by Metallica, and the guy, the mascot, comes out on a motorcycle. It is like it is the loudest thing you'll ever hear in your entire life, and it puts the fear into the opponents. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, great, like, 12-man weapon against the opponents. But, obviously, last week they didn't play the song loud enough because Virginia Tech got smoked against the Canes. So how do you go from being a Wisconsin football player to, not, to an actor? How does that transit? How, how did that transition work for you? Well, growing up in Madison, Wisconsin, um, I always wanted to be an actor. And that happened when I was a young kid. I was about six years old. My mother was doing a play. Jesus Christ Superstar, which is my favorite musical of all times and is also made as a movie. But uh, my mother was in that play. She was in the chorus, and I was when she was rehearsing, I was in the, on stage listening to them rehearse. And I just fell in love with the stage. I, I fell in love with music. I fell in love with acting. And I always wanted to be an actor my whole life. So, But, I mean, college football was basically a full-time job. It paid for my school, got me a free scholarship. You know, I was a theater minor. I took acting classes, and I was a com arts major, knowing someday I probably was going to pursue acting. But, um, you know, I mean, when football was all over with, I went and played pro football in Europe for four years for three different countries. I coached in the NFL Europe for the Admirals with, with uh, Al Luganville, Tommy Luganville's dad. We had Adam Vinatieri on our team who won four Super Bowls. Kurt Warner was on that team the year before I coached. So after that was done, after I came back to the United States, I worked for the Fiesta Bowl. I had connections there because my father was an AD. I worked for the Fiesta Bowl. And after I stopped working for the Fiesta Bowl in 96, I started doing stand-up comedy big time in, in Arizona, worked at the Improv, studied acting real hard, got some movies under my belt, shot a movie with Clooney, shot a movie with Char Charlie Sheen, had a couple commercials, got my SAG card in Phoenix, and then moved there, you know, moved to L.A. in like 99. So. I mean, that's kind of how it happens. I always wanted to. Oh, and Chris Farley, I grew up with Chris Farley, you know, the late Chris Farley, who yep. grew up, who was on Saturday Night Live. He's, he was a friend of ours. You know, he grew up, we knew the Farleys. He knew me and my brother. I knew, uh, we knew him and his brothers. And he was always a football fan, and I was always a fan of Hollywood. So I, I talked to him a couple times, and he's like, you got to go, you go study improv in Chicago, where I did. So he talked me into going to study improv 
right, where he studied. He studied Second City, but he also studied the improv Olympic, studied some improv there. And then, you know, I was just kind of on the road to, to, to someday, you know, ending up in Hollywood. So he kind of talked me into, like, you know, I was kind of fearful. And he said, come on, you got to do it, man. You got to get up to Hollywood. So he was did, an inspiration to come to Hollywood. Did did Do you take anything you learned from football and apply it to acting, whether it's getting ready for a role or auditioning? Yeah. You know, there's a thing that Coach Alvarez said was don't flinch. Don't flinch. And don't flinch means – when you get smacked in the mouth or you have adversity, you know, just keep going and, you know, don't worry about it. You know, either you can flinch and be like, oh, my God, or you can just keep going and be tough. And he got that from Lou Holtz, by the way, from coaching at Notre Dame. But the same thing applies to Hollywood, man. And you get smacked in the face, smacked in the mouth, a heck of a lot more in Hollywood than you do playing football. I mean, every day you audition for something, you know, they say thanks, and you, and you might not get it. And, and that's kind of a smack in the face if you don't get it. So you're auditioning all the time. You don't get it. That's a slap in the face. You know what I mean? You're trying to get certain roles. You try to get certain auditions. You know, you're always trying to climb up the ladder, but there's always doors closing on you, on you in Hollywood. And that is, uh, after a while, that's, a, that's tough on your psyche. But, you know, you got to keep going and just kind of hang in there and just, uh, you know, stay the course. So I, I guess that kind of applies to it because the same thing in football. In football, when you get smacked in the mouth, when someone when a team makes a big play, you can either go in the tank and everybody can flinch and be, and you know, be still on the sidelines, or you can rise up and say, "No big deal, keep your chin up." Next play, let's go, let's roll. Here we go. Kind of like last night in that in that football game. I mean, both teams did that. You know, we got the uh, the Rams and the um, and KC. I mean, neither team flinched. You know what I mean? Some someone made a big play, no big deal. Go back out there, and make a big play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, you've been on. Uh, high blockbuster movies like Transformers. What was it like being on set uh, of like one of the the biggest movies that came out during during that specific time? Amen. You're right about that. We shot that in 08. I think it came out in 09. And uh, when it came out, it was. I mean, I don't know the exact you know stat on where it was, but it was definitely it was in the top ten highest grossing films ever when it came out. And then some other came, films came along and blew it away too, like like Avatar. But uh, to answer your question, I mean, it was an honor to be in that movie. Denise Shamian, she cast me in that. She also cast me in a movie Next with Nicolas Cage. What else she cast me in? She cast me in The Last Ship. She was cast in that show. That's a show on TNT. And then she cast me in, uh, what the heck else did she cast me in? Another feature I can't, I can't remember it right now. I've been in Hollywood so long. But uh, to answer your question, as far as being on that, they flew me to New Mexico. It was awesome. They flew me to New Mexico. We shot on an Air Force base in New Mexico, Holland Air Force Base. I was on set with my scenes with Tyrese, Josh Demall, and it was awesome because I was cast as a military advisor. I mean, a military police Air Force guy, but I'm with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of extras that were real uh, Air Force, and they were saluting me when I was when we weren't shooting. And I was like, you don't have to salute me. And they go, aren't you a major? I go, no, man, I'm an actor. I just got cast as a major. They're like, you look like a real major. And I go, I think Michael Bay's got a good eye. Go tell him. <laughs> but <laughs> when we weren't shooting, I got to party a lot. I, I, I'm not going to lie, we partied. We went out and had a good time with me, Josh, and Tyrese. And Michael Bay would hang out with us sometimes. It was, you know, there wasn't much in that town but an Applebee's and a Chili's and stuff like that. So we'd go out and have a couple, couple soda pops at night. And it was a good time hanging with those guys. It'd be nice to get – tell Michael Bay, it would be nice to get on another Transformers. I know he's going to make another one. I've been trying to get on another one ever since. So if if you look at your Twitter, you, you have the I Just Crushed It campaign. How did that start? Or the I Just Crushed well, It? I just, yeah, well, my Twitter, like I said, I don't tweet as much as I should, but i got to blow that up. My Instagram's bigger. 
Yeah, I just crushed. That's that's great for saying that because I believe in this brand and it's something I created. It started after auditions. You know, your agents make you get on social media and do stuff like, oh, you need a following because it's very big. For example, in the commercial world, which, you know, I've had many national commercials over the years. I don't have one running right now, but I could use one because it's good. It's good money for the holidays. What happens is if an actor is, is on social media and he has a platform, if they say, say, say Tide or, you know, whatever, Tide or Xerox or let's say Bud Light is, is going to cast you. If they look at one actor and he's got like hundreds of thousands of followers and the other guy's got zero followers and doesn't even do social media, they're probably going to go with the guy who's on social media because actors are always promoting what we do on social media. So you have to have a platform. But that being said, my agents made me get on Instagram and Twitter. And so, you know, you try to create ways to get fans and stuff like that. So after auditions, I wasn't really thinking about getting fans. I just thought of it was a stress relief. So after auditions for about three years, I just turned the camera on myself and it's a stress reliever. So I said, I just crushed, I just crushed this audition. I just did my best and I crushed it. People started liking it. So I kept doing it and doing it in different ways. Then I started doing it like, oh, I just crushed this sprint, these sprints I ran in the ocean. I just crushed this bi workout. Look at my biceps. Try to be funny about it and have fun with it. People started liking it. So my entertainment attorney says, you got something here. So I bought the trademark. I just crushed. And I have big plans for it. Going to make merchandise. Going to make a music video. Going to come up with a dance. Going to take it to charities. Big ideas for it. And it's just kind of in the making. I've been, you know, I've been doing it for about four months now. So I'm uh, in the process of, of taking it to something bigger. And, uh, you know, I hope to be on Good Morning America in about six months. And they're going to be like, how did you come up with this I just crushed idea? All it means is that you're happy about something that you've done in the moment. And it's not about me. It's about me kind of giving a, a tool to the world to post something on, 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 uh, on social media. Like, for example, after this, you say, you know, I just crushed this segment with Aaron Norbell. I'm happy about it. You know, if you hang out with your parents this weekend for Thanksgiving, I just crushed spending time with my parents. I just flew home. I just crushed spending time with my parents. Students, I just crushed studying for this exam. I did the best I could do. Anything you can think of that you're happy in the moment, you can shoot a video. You can post it and say, I just crushed. Not only that, it's the greatest small business marketing tool. I worked at Johnny's Pizza on, on 42nd Street and, uh, you know, 42nd Street, Cross Street, you know, Y Street. You know, Johnny's Pizza, we just crushed serving pizza to somebody. We just crushed serving some pizza to some, to some customers. We made them happy. We're open at 10 o'clock in the morning till midnight. Come back to Johnny's. I just crushed, and I'll crush some good service for you, too. It's the ultimate little small commercial for people as well. It's I'm kind of rambling, man, but, you know. No, nah, it's, it's, all, it's all good. It's, 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 such a great, uh, it's such great to hear this, to hear how you, you created this trend. And from what I've seen, you people send you videos where they just say, I just crushed, and then whatever they did. And it, yeah, it's, you and start it, off by saying I just crushed, and then you're happy about something. You know, I just crushed, like, you know, last week, I made my bed. I just crushed making my bed. You know what I mean? If you can't do a good deed for yourself, which everybody wants to feel good about themselves during the day, then do something for someone else. You know what? You know, I started giving, you know, money to homeless people. I got the little bottle, and I always squeeze a water bottle. You know, I'll give somebody some money. I said, guess what? I just crushed a good deed. Do something for someone else. It's kind of like a challenge. And I can, you know, I can think of a, a million ways to challenge people on in many different things. You know what I mean? I'll challenge people to do stuff over Christmas. I challenge people to, I just crushed my best Halloween costume. I got a bunch of videos for that. You know, I just crushed hanging out with my parents or doing a good deed for people over Thanksgiving. I just crushed something for Christmas. I mean, it can go on and on. You can take it anywhere. This weekend, Nevada will crush the school down south. What are your predictions for this game? 
I don't ever predict. And if everybody, if anybody in college football world, because I love college football is my first love. I don't ever ask for predictions because then I don't want the other thing. I don't want people from UNLV getting mad at me. I love college football. So I, as much as I want my brother's team to win, for example, I'm going to crush this weekend having a great college football experience in Las Vegas watching my brother's team play the UNLV running rebels. I'm going to crush the whole experience. I'm going to love it. I don't ever make predictions because, you know, predictions come back to bite you. And, uh, you know, I would hope other people out there don't do it. Don't predict that someone's going to win. You know, predict you're going to enjoy it. And that's a fact. You're, I mean, I don't care if I win, 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 lose, or draw. I'm always going to enjoy college football Saturday, and I'm always going to crush enjoying this experience. So, with that being said, my brother's team is ready to play, but I guarantee you that team will be ready to play, and it's going to be – fun battle it's going to be a war and i'll be there on the sidelines cheering my butt off all right one final question uh before we we before we get going we know nevada football struggled last year only getting three wins what do you think has been the biggest improvement so far this year uh hands down well there's a lot of them but believing at the moment second half of the season here believing they believe now i'm around those guys every weekend and i played the game if a team believes they can win it's it's hard to stop them you know what i mean Last year, they didn't believe. Not only that, it was you know it was a new system. It was a transition. It takes a while for players to buy into the new coach and the philosophy. Not to mention that they, they made some say, the roster changes. They were a little small on defense last year. First of all, Coach Castillo is doing an outstanding job with that defense. Him and Jason Kapusi and, 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 and the DB coach Locke, they are, they, are, they are doing an absolute – I mean, it's like mind-boggling how well they're playing right now. And I was talking to Lucas Weather. You know, last week I was saying, dude, you know, you guys are, you, I, I'm, I'm so proud of you. He's like, you know, we just get it. And I text those guys all the time. He's like, we just get it now. We know where to be. We just get it. Not only that, I haven't even talked about the offense, but the offense has blossomed. I think the Ganges is in, he's in his second year in that system. He's got a ton of weapons. He's got some help at running back this year. You know, obviously a little Tawa and, and then a little running back from Oklahoma. They had a, a big punch that they did not have last year. And they just believe they're more talented. And that's, you know, that, that in a nutshell, I think, you know, that's, that's about it. All right, Aaron, thank you for joining us on today's show. We crushed this interview. We just crushed this interview. We sure did crush this interview. And I appreciate you calling me, buddy. And uh, I look forward to talking to you real soon again. And, and uh, God bless college football. It's going to be a great weekend. Games will be all weekend. Crush enjoying watching college football and crush enjoying your family and crush that turkey. Thank you, Aaron, and we uh, happy happy Thanksgiving. You too, buddy. Happy Thanksgiving. Audio back from break thank you aaron norvell for joining us on today's show and also thank you listeners for listening to our show uh on whatever platform you may be whether it's wolfpack radio itunes or uh soundcloud spotify is coming up we're trying to just work out 
the details of everything we need there. But Nevada basketball is off to its best start ranking-wise in franchise and school history. We are now number sixth in the AP poll. Yeah. Uh, it's highest, yeah, it's highest ranking since and. Uh, somewhat a spot that Nevada was almost expected to be at come preseason. Like, we thought we were going to be sixth. Seventh was a bit lower than most people thought. But we ro- we rolled over Little Rock in the first game of the Continental Tire Las Vegas Holiday Invitational. Say that five times fast. Uh, and we rolled over Cal Baptist as well. Uh, and then the upcoming games of the tournament are we faced Tulsa. And then we, according to NevadaWolfpack.com, it says we face Either Southern Illinois or UMass. I don't know how you decide that game. I really don't know. But And then later on, before between this week's show and next week's show, uh, we do face Loyola Chicago, so we'll preview that in a bit. But getting back to the first game of the Continental Tire Las Vegas Holiday Invitational against Little Rock, Nevada did, one, did win pretty handily as uh, they took down the Little Rock Trojans by a score of... 87-59, and this game could not have gotten off to a slower start. Uh, within the first five minutes, there were about 14 combined fouls. or Yeah, and there were more fouls at that time than points scored. This game was so slow for the first half, but then Nevada did pick it up, scoring 43 in the first half and 44 in the second half, limiting, uh, limiting Little Rock to only 23 points in the first half, a uh, 20-point victory. Nevada did cover the 21-point spread. So it was good to see that Nevada did, although they struggled in the beginning, they were able to pick it up and then continue that pace for the entire game. Uh, we saw just a bunch of players play. We usually we saw the the usual three man rotation. Uh, no Corey Henson for this game. Uh, he said he was ruled out due to personal reasons. Let's see. I'll see if he comes back. But at the moment, we don't know why. Uh, the bench was uh, Nizre, Jazz, and Jordan Brown, and they all played well. Jordan Brown recorded his first double-double of the season of his co- college career. Uh, Jazz Johnson added 17. Caleb, uh, Cody Martin added a double-double, and so did uh, Jordan Caroline add a double-double. And I hate to break it to you guys, uh, Jordan Caroline did not win Mountain West Player of the Week. Dang it. He's one for two now, 50%. Yeah. Uh, 50% is still good. He'll get it next week. Not in classes, but in this, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jordan Caroline had 17 points, 12 rebounds. And I think one thing that hurt him is that they only played one game. Yeah, definitely. That's true. So, yeah, like your sample size is a lot smaller for his, he versus. He can't win them all. And look, this week, Nevada has three games. Yeah, he won it this week. We got it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He got he to one, two, two for three, yeah. 66.7%. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Uh, Caleb Martin, uh, 19 points, which led the Wolfpack. He shot six of 11 from the field, four of nine from three. And this was a game that we shot. We saw Nevada uh, do well in with three point. Although the percentage doesn't look great, thirty seven percent, but it, it looked better than it actually showed. I, I don't. It, it, this was a weird game because it was also an eight o'clock kick, eight o'clock tip off, which on a Friday night, like you normally see these eight o'clock tip offs, like on a two, Monday or Tuesday. But it was it was just weird to see, like in uh, an eight o'clock tip off. You had ten thousand plus people there. So Nevada will will set its season season attendance record this year because if you can get eight ten thousand plus people to an eight o'clock tip up on a Friday against a no name opponent like Little Rock, I, I can't wait to see like what 
Boise State brings in. Right. San Jose, uh, not San Jose State, San Diego State, Nevada Southern, and like schools of that nature. Because there's not a lot of big named opponents that come to Reno in the in the non-conference schedule. That now that's all going to change next year when USC comes. But for this year, I think like we'll see the continued support for these no-name like no-name schools. Like although BYU is not no-name, and the attendance was still incredible. But then like Pacific's not the highest of schools, Little Rock. But I just can't wait to see like what these big-time Mountain West programs bring in to Lawler. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to be great to see us, you know, beat the uh, season record for attendance. Uh, I don't think it's like you pointed out, Garrett. We're not; they're not coming to see you know the small little schools. It's just the general hype around campus on this basketball team. Everybody knows when we have a game. Everyone knows it's you know game day, and they're all excited. No matter if it is a Friday o'clock or Friday night, eight o'clock start time, they're going to show up to it. Ten plus, ten thousand plus fans are going to show up to it. So it's amazing. It's going to be great when we get later on in the season when you talk about we're going to be playing bigger schools. But hopefully by then we'll be higher ranked and within the top five, which is just going to, you know, make everybody lose their freaking minds, I swear. Yeah, um, I mean, we're we're averaging 10,000 uh, fans per game, and that's huge, especially with who we're playing. And I think, uh, I think Kevin said it right. Like, it's just they're coming to see this team play. They're coming to see our team, the top – uh, or six-rated team in the country. They they want to see us play, and um, we we absolutely killed Little Rock. We played as a group. I think excellent. Um, I mean, every single person played a really good game outside of Trey Porter, but I think everyone played a really good game. Um, this game, everyone was hitting on all cylinders, and um, yeah, I think the attendance is going to continue to grow, and we're going to see record-breaking numbers. Ever since the Washington game and Mus harping on this defense. Uh, not being great, being one of the worst teams in the country with a deep, with a defense. Uh, we've seen uh, Nevada. Nevada improved. Like BYU, they sort of struggled. Pacific, they picked it up, and then against uh, Little Rock, they did well. Uh, they held uh, Little Rock's one of their good freshmen, Marquise uh, Noel, to two of twelve shooting, two of eight from beyond the arc. He came into this game like on fire. But they did have trouble stopping Rajon Turner as he dropped a, a game-high 21 points. So I think as long as Nevada does a good job con- containing the other team's best scores, they'll be fine because Nevada has enough firepower with Jordan Caroline, Caleb Martin, Cody Martin, and whichever whoever the fourth player is to step up, whether that's Jazz Johnson, who's averaging double digits off the bench, uh, Trey Porter, uh, Trey Sean Thurman. Nevada has enough firepower to do well and although in the first game against BYU uh, Cody Martin didn't score he still almost had a double double he had a double double in this game he is one of the top um, he's one of the top in the nation in assists for the season so it's just good to see that Nevada is doing well on offense and putting putting themselves in a position where you don't need to get that last minute stop like to, to secure a game they've put they've put themselves in positions where Oh yeah, we're beating the teams we should be heavily. Yeah, yeah, we're having. Um, I'm, I've been sitting here thinking about it. We just have a multi-threat team, no matter what it's offense or defense. Yeah, we played horrendous that first game on defense against Washington, and I think it was just must lighting a, fun, a fire under these guys' asses about like getting on them on their defense and just you know 
ever since then, we've seen an increase in the defense and just been playing well. Keep in mind, we are playing, you know, pretty trash teams. But it's the fact that, you know, we're playing the game like we should be, no matter who we're playing, which is great. And our offense, our offense is just killing it. Obviously, like you were talking about, Cody, if he doesn't have a game where he's scoring, he's still leading the team in assists, and he's still, you know, making a contribution. Jazz Johnson is just killing it off the bench, 17 points. Jordan Brown's finally hitting his stride with 12 points in 26 minutes and averaging that double-double, his first in his college career. We just have multiple threats. Last year's team, it was a lot of, you know, we need to get that last stop and we're just going to put up the three. This year, we have multi-threats on all sides of the ball, and I think this is the exact reason why we're number six in the nation and going to be in the top five in the next coming weeks, especially if we take care of, you know, Tulsa and Loyal and these games coming up here. So we, that's one of the biggest changes from last year that I've seen, and I'm just glad to see it because it's just an exciting team to watch, honestly. I, I totally agree, and uh, the good thing about this year is I think this, the scheduling, even though people are saying you know, we're, we don't play the best of teams, I think the scheduling was perfect. We were able to kind of struggle in our exhibition games and really get that fire started, and then every game since then, you have seen this team get better and better and better with every single game they play. Our, our weakest points in the preseason was our defense and three-point shooting, and then you come out against Little Rock and have a crazy game, well, probably the best one I've seen on defense and three-point shooting. Uh, Jazz Johnson has really come into his own. He is an animal. He, he put up 17 points. Um, Caleb's shooting the ball really well. Cody is obviously turning into one of the best point guards in the country right now, as we can see. Um, this team is really something special to watch, and I think with the additions of people like Treshawn Thurman, um, we saw Jordan Brown getting some blocks. Um, this defense is getting really, really good. So if we continue our shooting and defense, this team is going to be incredible. So Cody Martin, in what's a, in set in three games, has 31 assists. He's averaging 10.3, which is second in the nation for average. But if you look at the total number of assists, he's tied for seventh. Obviously, number one has 47 assists, but that guy has played in six games. So I think it's it's interesting to look at it. Jordan Caroline is tied for 25th in the nation in rebounds per game. And it's just showing that like you have these people who do well in uh, their, their their statistical category. Post-game press conference Friday night, uh, Jazz Johnson referred to Co uh, Cody as a point god. And it just shows that you, you don't have many point guards who are 6'7", can run the floor, play defense like what he does. Uh, he had an incredible block at the at the end of the second uh, half. It was a nice chase down block, and he has his skill set really does help this Wolfpack team because they don't need him to score, but he can score, and he does a very good job setting up teammates. He had that very nice lob to Caleb, uh, and the crowd went wild. He he plays the he's the reigning Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year, so it just shows you how his skill set might not be an ideal fit for what Moss is trying to run, but it very complements what the team is. Oh, yeah. I think preseason, there was so much hype around Caleb, which there should be, don't get me wrong. There was so much hype around Caleb, you know, preseason All-American. We all know how he can score the ball and how he plays basketball. But Cody has really showed that, you know, he's saying, hey, don't forget about me. I'm right here. I mean, last or against Little Rock, he put up 14 points, four rebounds, 10 assists, one steal, and two blocks. I mean, this kid is playing phenomenal. Um, I think, yeah, Jazz, you know, call him a point god. I like that. I like that that term. 
Um, but he is. He's playing like one of the best point guards in the country, and I'm just glad he's on our team. Yeah, definitely grateful to have him on the team. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You guys touched on it so well. Um, just having everyone on this team, like I talked about in mine earlier, is we have so many dual threats and so many, you know, we have Cody that can play is a six seven point guard who can run the floor, play defense like you can. You don't see that. You don't see that in the NBA. You don't see that in college basketball. You see the atypical probably like six one point guard, great at handles, not the best at defense. And Cody's not like that. He can play the point. He can play great defense and he can just run the floor, which is amazing. That's one of the reasons why we are ranked the way we are and why everyone is like Nevada is the team to watch right now. Nevada, Eric Musselman has always prided himself on making at least 300 passes per game. Nevada is 10th in the nation in assists per game. They average about 20 per game. Uh, they are also 25th in rebounds per game, averaging about 44 uh, per game. So it's just good to see that Nevada is taking care of the pretty much the essentials like – Three point shooting will come. We know. We know. We just they need to get Nizre uh, and Jazz just need to get hot. We've seen Jazz do well through the first three games. It's just the second, the secondary three point shooting. Uh, but it's not really a big concern of mine. Like coming coming into after the Washington game, I thought, oh god, this team sucks at three point shooting. But look, watching how the team unfolds, watching how it takes it takes time to, for these transfers to get used to. Uh, college game after being out for over a year, so it, it's it's good to see that Nevada is continuing its dominance way. Uh, looking ahead at the schedule, Nevada does play Tulsa on Thanksgiving Day, one o'clock tip off uh, on Fox Sports One. Game is in Las Vegas, uh, Orleans Arena, and I think Nevada Nevada should steam uh, should I won't say steamroll, but they should beat. Tulsa by a very very uh, wide margin. Tulsa is not the greatest of basketball schools, but they do they are undefeated at the time of this recording. Yeah, the three and the three and zero on the year they've beaten Alcorn State, uh, they beat uh, South Carolina State, and they also barely squeaked out a win against Cal Baptist by three. At the time of this recording, recording they haven't played uh, Little Rock, but I would expect. I would expect Tulsa to get the W. They, they're a team that doesn't score a whole lot of points. 82 points is their highest scoring one, but I do think that um, they'll be the best opponent outside, other than BYU Nevada's played so far. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see them. I think you touched on it in the very beginning. We're going to take care of Tulsa. I don't, I'm not afraid of that at all. Um, definitely it will be kind of a challenge. Challenge, challenge is a strong word. Uh, yeah, challenge, I guess. It'll be like we're playing BYU. Um, I'd probably put BYU ahead of Tulsa just a little, a little bit, um, just, you know, comparing the two. But, yeah, we're going to easily take care of them. Um, we'll have to see Tulsa, how they play against uh, Baptist. I think they easily take care of that one as well. Um, but, yeah, it'll be nice to have a little bit of a, you know, challenge just a little bit when we go into, you know, the other games, Loyola coming back after Tulsa. Um, so it's it's great not to have just, you know, a steamroll after a steamroll after a steamroll, you know, actually challenge these guys and keep them on their toes a little bit. I'm not saying this is going to be a close game at all. I still think we easily take care of them by 15, but it's just the fact that it is, you know, a different breed than us playing, you know, Little Rock and California Baptist, of course. Yeah, I think I think BYU's better 
I I would I would categorize them in the same kind of category, but I think BYU is a little bit better than Tulsa. Um, but I think we'll still uh, get the W. I think it'll be around 20-point 20 point, 20 point win, 15, 20-point win. Um, but, yeah, I think the scheduling is excellent. I mean, we see our games getting harder and harder, and then uh, we play Tulsa, we play Loyola, and then we hit the December games, which we really need to start winning. Um, so I think this will be a great test. I mean, I it will definitely be a win, but it uh, just allows us to really um, – uh, get better at our craft and hone in our on our skills before the uh, December games. So you mentioned the Loyola Chicago game. Nevada does travel to Chicago to face the I don't even know their their mascot. Uh, but it, honestly, the the Loyola Chicago Ramblers that game is on November twenty seventh. Uh, this was an anticipated game. We we coming into the season when looking at the schedule, uh, this one was circled because it is the rematch of the Sweet Sixteen game, and. It's in Chicago, 5 o'clock tip-off, ESPN News. Uh, make sure you watch. They're not off to a, whole, a great start. They're 3-1 and one on the year. They lost to Furman, um, which is a really good three-point shooting team. They lost by two, but they've beaten uh, UKMC, which uh, go Kangaroos. Uh, they've beaten Niagara, and then they've beaten Grambling State. Uh, I don't know if they're, uh, they're the same team as last year. Sure, they got... Clayton uh, Cluster, who was a thorn in Nevada's side last year in the Sweet 16 game. But I do think this is a much different team. One thing Nevada didn't have in the tournament last year, is we've harped on this plenty of time, was size. And that's something low with Chicago. They, they had a very good big man who uh, who just who was sitting in the paint, just living there. And then, But Nevada now has that big man, and you don't, they're not going to have to run Jordan Caroline at the five position. They can now run him at the three, the four, wherever, wherever they see fit. And I think that will definitely help the Nevada team. Yeah, They're, I agree. I agree. Our, our matchups are a lot better uh, than last year. And I, and I agree again on uh, how Loyola isn't the same team they were last year. Um, they did lose a Furman. Furman, as we know, then turned around and beat Nova. So, I mean, you can't really, you can't really tell how – you know, with that um, loss, but um, they're still a good team. You can't just overlook them. They I mean they we went they went to the Final Four last year. So, um, but I think we match up better in that way. I do think we'll win by at least ten. Um, but I think you know it is a good team and it's a great game right before we play USC. Yeah, definitely interesting. <laughs> Gonna agree with you guys. Sound like a broken record. You guys are all right. This is two different teams that we're going to be playing. Um, I think our biggest thing is we're going to have, you know, the size, especially with Jordan Brown. I think he's going to shine in that game and get a lot of rebounds because last year that was the thing that killed us in the tournament is we were just giving up second chance points after second chance points, and I just remember screaming at the TV because I was so annoyed with it. But I think Jordan's just going to have a great game um, when it comes to that and getting boards. Um, hopefully Jazz can continue by then. At that point, he's still continuing to produce, and we have that three-point. Honestly, that game we – get another rebound or two, we win that game. Easily. Easily done. We shouldn't even been that at that point if we actually got the rebounds that we should have got. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a good game, especially going into USC. Um, Loyal is definitely not the same team as last year. They're kind of not necessarily struggling a little bit. They did have that loss, so they're kind of not in the same place. Um, obviously, you got to also keep in mind that they were, you know, the Cinderella story of last year's, you know, basketball tournament. So it's kind of kind of hard to, like, 
have them ranked up with us. Obviously, we kind of shocked a lot of people too, but we definitely have the respect now that we should have. Um, yeah, but agreeing with you guys, uh, especially Austin, I think we take care of them um, probably by 10, yeah. Looking at Loyola Chicago, they come into this. Uh, they have three players who are averaging above 13 points a game. You mentioned the you mentioned the Sweet 16 game. If Kendall Stevens makes one three-pointer, we, we win this game. He shot 0 of 8. So I think um, if if Loyola Chicago keeps leaving Nevada shooters open, they will eventually fall, with, especially with Jazz, Caleb, and um, Nisre, if he, if, he, if he can make a three. But I do think it will be a it will be a tough test because Nevada is on the road at Loyola Chicago. It's the furthest east Nevada has to go this year. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle the atmosphere there because at the time this is their first true road game. Like they played at home for the first their first four games, and then they have two games in uh in Vegas at the Orleans Arena. So this is their first true road game. And then they travel and then they then they go from that to the Galen Center and face USC, and they have one of the top recruits in the nation, Kevin Porter Jr. So it'll be interesting to see how Nevada will handle their Thanksgiving break and the week after. Uh, adding on to some other sports regard around the Reno area, Nevada uh, Nevada women's volleyball ended their season. It didn't end it on the right way, as that that could be. That's probably an understatement, as. Actually, no, 14-game winning streak, losing streak, my bad. They went 1-17 in conference, 8-21 overall. They started the year off on a two-game winning streak, and then they won five of the, out of their first six and seven out of their, la, uh, of their first nine. So they started really good, and then it just all went downhill. They got one conference win over the year. It was over Utah State. And a lot of their games were close, but then some of them not really. Uh, a good amount of a three to one set losses uh, mixed in there, but not many sweeps and a few three to two set losses. So their season's over. Yeah, which is very unfortunate. Um, they did have you know a pretty good start. Um, I think it's the same too when you look at women's soccer as well. Is they had a great start and then they just lost it. Um, they did have a sh- like I like. Like I just said, they had a great start, which is something definitely to look on and better than they had in years past. It's just about combining that and holding that on to for the whole season. Um, I think football is finally learning that too and finally capitalized on that this year is just having a complete season instead of just, you know, doing good for the first couple games and then just losing it. Um, So we'll have to see. Hopefully next year they do have a lot better finish than they did this year. Um these women probably you can't hold your head too low, especially just the start that they had, um, and the fact that I don't think a lot of people expected them to do much. I mean, I know a lot of people don't even talk about it. We unfortunately don't talk to them, talk about them a lot on this show. Same with women's soccer, but I think they still have you know hope going into the future a little bit, especially with the start that they had this year. Yeah, I agree. It it is a lot like women's soccer. I mean, starting off strong and then kind of fall uh falling away towards the end but maybe this is uh you know the beginning of the season is a bright spot that they can look towards next year and hopefully just getting better and eliminating those 14 uh game loss streaks so they started they went six and oh at, at a neutral site one and eight at home in one and 13 on the road uh just wanted to point that out 
Um, adding to another sport that doesn't really get talked about, women's basketball. I have the pleasure of being a co-host on a new Nevada women's basketball podcast uh, called Pack Hoops Pod. It's featured uh, another journalism student, and we we talk about it's a half hour. It's a half hour show. It comes out every Monday. We'll share it from our network. Yeah, and it's it's great just talking, having a full half hour to talk about. Women's basketball, something that I know we really can't fit in our show because football and basketball are are the main talking points. But it's good if you if you enjoy the the university. If you're an alumni, please go give it a listen to. Uh, you can find it. We'll retweet it whenever the episode is live. Uh, but with that being said, we are wrapping up today's show. Uh, any final thoughts, guys? Uh, let's go into UNLV. Uh, go to Sam Boyd. Get that W. Keep the cannon blue. Um, hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving and a good break. And you know, let's uh, let's keep going out to these games. It's uh, obviously basketball's got a good portion that they're going to be away, but keep watching those games. Um, and yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, guys, keep supporting. Uh, keep uh, keep supporting Pack Athletics and uh, check out the other podcasts. And have a great Thanksgiving. And with that being said, we'll see you guys next week.